Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. This is part two of our recording that took place on April 16th. It's the last and a two-parter we're kind of calling the Triumphs of the Human Spirit. Uh, as you will come to find out by the end of the episode, this episode is aptly named The Four Summaries of the Apocalypse. Enjoy! <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about marvel and, and dc comics there we yes go. okay so what's going on what's going on with mcu let's talk about mcu's foray I, in uh, are yes. we about to give any listeners their virginity back or <laughs> your virginity is not at risk <laughs> settle the fuck down <laughs> you're relatively a family show <laughs> um yeah, okay, so the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing a very interesting thing, and they're going into television now. They've got uh, WandaVision, which has just come out, and now they've got this new show come out. It's called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and it seems like both these shows seem to be doing pretty well, like all, all things considered. With a pandemic going on, with the fact that people can't go to movie theaters anymore, like... Marvel's doing great. Disney, in fact, is doing why, great. Why wouldn't they have done, What shocks me is it took them this long to do it. Like, instead of making a... What was Avengers... The last Avengers movie? Like, three and a half bloody hours or something ridiculous? Like... Yeah, it's about three hours. If Like, they clearly what they've done is they've seen the success of TV series. Um, you know, The Witcher or 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 any any of these things that were would have previously been adapted into movies, but have been adapted into TV series to allow you to go deeper into into stories and narratives and arcs and stuff. And they're just kind of doing that. Why wouldn't you? But they, That's ha- the way but they have done it. They have done TV series. They have done series like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They have done series like Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. They've done partnerships with other companies. But for them to – I think this might be – is this the first time where they've actually gone and done something on their own? Yeah, but every every character you've mentioned so far – so I don't don't watch these shows. But every character you've mentioned so far from what I remember, two of them are dead, Wanda and Vision. And the other two are like – are like ancillary characters. No, well, you got to watch the show. Exactly. Otherwise, you need to just like stop and it's just. It's very simple, right? Like, the reason <laughs> Marvel heroes don't suck, right? Like, DC heroes <laughs> yeah. suck. That's really what it is. Because, you know, like, so somebody wears makeup or, you know, like <clears throat> penguins and they're a superhero. Like, how many times can you make the same movie over, like, enough Batman and Joker movies? Okay, we got it. They're, we got it. Like, stop making Batman and Joker movies. Marvel is killing DC Comics with it with going into this medium because Marvel heroes are mutants and mutants are cool. And so, as a result, well, they're not all mutants. And cool powers. And it was perfect for this, this age of CGI and the sort of seamless integration of live action and, comp- and computation. And, and as a result, Marvel has won the media platform. Well, they're, they're kind of doing like uh, Marvel, because DC, from what I remember, was always more popular with, uh, like there was a lot of Batman movies in like the 80s and 90s and stuff. But yeah. Marvel took a risk with Iron Man. So it seems to be that Marvel, and now DC is trying to play catch-up, trying to play their own game with, what was it, Suicide Squad or whatever? Yeah, um, and, yeah and it, it was it was crap. Uh, 
But they seem to be trying to play catch up, like uh, like most car companies are trying to play catch up. Finally, with the electric vehicle game, like they finally kind of their hands been forced, and they're like, uh oh. You know, well, here, here's Woman. the Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman was fantastic. Like the first Wonder Woman, yeah. I thought was really really good. <laughs> but then they go to Aquaman, and then the half the movie is like on land. Like, what are you doing? He has no powers on land. He needs to be wet. Well, that's not true. That's not true. How that's not how they've written the the comic. Anyway, but here's okay. So let's let's just settle the score since I seem to be the expert on this material. <laughs> Whoa! There's a oh, there's a first. There's a first. Your wife must be love, loving that phrase. Find the calendar. You introduce yourself. That settle party. down. Settle down, ladies. I put out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good villain laugh. <laughs> okay, so I here's was, the difference between Marvel, I Marvel, right Marvel heroes. April fifteenth, two thousand twenty-one, in the midst Uh-oh. of the pandemic. Now, go whiskey ahead. is lit because <laughs> he didn't even read the date right. It was right he's, in front of he's, him. He's he's drinking he's drinking rum out of a. <laughs> Protein, protein shake. Oh, well, he's in his home gym with the TV, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make sure you get experiences. This is all that's in my COVID gym. <laughs> the TV that we'll 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 have to point out to the non-visual listeners does not face the direction one would traditionally use a treadmill in. It's actually kind of behind and to the right of you as you're allegedly using it. Anyway, so here's the difference between <laughs> here's the difference between Marvel characters like superheroes and DC superheroes. Marvel superheroes are are by and large human beings. They're just regular people with regular people problems. And they're real Spider Man. He's just a kid who's got fucking girl problems. He can't pay the rent. He can't. He has to make sure that his aunt is taken care of. He's got no fucking parents. He's got nothing. And like he's just trying to make his way in like the real estate market that is fucking New York City. Right. You got that. You got characters like that. DC are literal gods with the exception of perhaps Batman. Batman being just full of Bat, Batman is basically Iron Man, but with Thor's no a hair. Norse god. No, no, Thor. Not- Thor is Thor is a god, but he's like one of the few uh, characters, superhero characters, that is an actual god. Like there's a small, but the, the other thing too is is that he's from a whole other race, from a whole other realm, from a whole other planet. Yeah. Wonder Woman is also a god, and the same kind of. Uh, mythology, similar kind of mythology, not the same, but similar kind of mythology, but on still on planet Earth, still dealing with human problems. And so that's what makes her very interesting. And that's what makes a lot of the DC characters interesting. Like you talk about characters like Superman. Superman is like a commentary on the human condition, Um, but from a God's perspective. Okay, so so where does the penguin fit in? <laughs> and Sub Zero, like who are Sub Zero's parents? 
What? 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 And why was Adam West walking on the floor? Sub Zero. Sub Zero is a Mortal Kombat character. Get your fucking oh, universes straight. Schwarzenegger plays whatever he was there in the Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. There you go. So who are Mr. Freeze's parents? And what's what God is Mr. Freeze? Mr. Freeze doesn't have parents. And well, that we know of. Arnold they weren't written in. Mr. Freeze's story is about his wife, who is his wife Nora, who is frozen in fucking ice. Yeah. I told you, I'm fucking expert on this shit. I think, I think that the DC writers were lazy and said we need some like throw-in heroes. So how about a guy who controls penguins? Well, that's okay. So that that is something that I actually wanted to get into a little bit. Was like that Why is the common Danny denominator to play bat uh, because it's penguin. Tim fucking Burton. Yeah, no, he's that's right. why. Yeah, it's because it's because Kevin Feige, the guy who is the mastermind behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe, spent time as like an associate producer or like basically an underling working with the X-Men franchise under Brian Singer and all those guys working with Sam Raimi under the Spider-Man franchise saw saw all the successes and the failures turned that into a business solution and then made made a gamble with uh what's his name um john favreau john favreau and robert downer jr and they like it was a huge gamble but they knew it was going to pay it because they knew they were going to make a successful film they knew that they were going to start a universe and like like they they planned it out they planned out like fucking 10 years, yep. 10 to 12 years, they planned it out like it was a fucking three. It was literally a three phase operation. One of the it was crazy. Worth, one of the things that's worth looking at is that is when John Favreau goes to the it goes to producers and says, hey, listen, here's my plan. and I'm going to use Robert Downey Jr., who was still in jail, I think, or still in rehab at the time. And they said, yeah. you're going to use a washed out guy as your centerpiece in this like multi movie, multi year plan they said you're crazy this is never going to go he said no you don't understand that is who tony stark is right tony yeah. stark washed it he said this is perfect he goes I got yes the right actor, he the was right born place. for that role born for the role in the right place at the right time and i have to say as somebody who read iron man comics as a kid when i saw iron man the movie and i saw you know john robert downey jr playing the role i'm like yeah he is tony stark like that was yeah. that casting was fantastic it yeah. was just it's uh, it's so fantastic to the point that even the actual comic books, the the illustrated and written comic books have modeled more of their character. Like the original character had his like alcoholism. He had all those problems, yeah, yeah. but they've modeled him after Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. Charlie Since. Sheen was arrogant. Charlie Sheen would have done it. Robert Downey Jr. was just funny. That, that was the difference. It yeah. was like self-deprecating, but Charlie Sheen thought he was amazing, which is why he ended up on a soap opera for kids. But he was probably also available. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was probably also available at a budget, right? Like, yeah, uh, it might have been, yeah. It for sure. probably helped with the with the cost. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, you think about uh, all of the uh, like yeah, all the movies virus. that he had been doing up to that point. He was doing. He did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He did a couple of movies uh, up to that point that kind of got him that role. Because I don't think he was in prison. He he may have still been in rehab, but he was definitely doing roles at that time. He did, uh, he did a movie called Less Than Zero, which is where he plays like a washed out drug addict kind of thing where his life falls apart. So, yeah, yeah he would have been a great porch pirate. Porch pirate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, like it's how long it's, ago all, it's all in the management. This is TV show on the History Channel or one of those other channels that's lost its way and just does nonsense like storage unit war, fucking yeah, yeah. oh god, bullshit, yeah. torch pirates, the reality <laughs> TV show. <laughs> but I mean, that's right up Whiskey's alley. Is the the management piece is the it's it's the it, the personality who is in behind the steering wheel to use a formula one term, which is kind of ironic. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. It's, it's the personality who is actually managing, who has the vision to make sure the thing is actually set up properly. And I think that is the reason behind it's marketing. It really comes down to marketing. Really? Well, I think one of their best moves was cause, uh, in the MCU, like the two, let's be honest, the first two Thor movies were kind of, yes. like, I, I, bleh. He he did best when he was in an ensemble cast with other people, but then they took um, Taika Waititi and they were like, "Do something different. Here's well, a bajillion T dollars." Well, don't you get know, me but, wrong. And like, kind of leaned those into the fact films. that Chris Hemsworth is a funny dude. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Those first two films, like, they're not terrible if you compare them with other superhero movies that did not do very well like they're not terrible they have a beginning a middle and an end and they have a character arc where you know the main character they you know they go through hardship they learn something and they become better as a result of that like but people are done with the old like and though i think it was the the first Thor movie was done by Kenneth Branagh, who is like a Shakespearean quality yeah. actor slash director and who was recently in that Tenet movie, which was fantastic. A lot of people didn't like it, but I loved it. Um, like this guy is a classical Shakespearean actor. He's going to bring that flavor to, you know, the uh, the son of Odin. You're going to bring that flavor to it. But uh, but like that's not what people wanted that they don't want that over the top. They wanted a little bit more grounded, a little bit more human. Like that's I think that's what audiences were looking for. And that's where you you get that whole. Well, you you get the you get the you get the swap. Right. So the MCU Marvel had created such a successful film franchise that they were able to dust off characters nobody had ever heard of in Guardians of the Galaxy. Cast Chris Pratt, who nails the role. That's insane. Kind of an irreverent, funny thing. And then, like, at the end, the, you know, at the end, their little teaser of the next movie, have the gall, the absolute cojones on the table to be like, the next one we're going to do is fucking Ant-Man. Like a dude that gets small. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'm gonna watch that for yeah. two and a half hours. Marvel. Oh, oh, I gotta, I, I, I gotta add this in. Root. Yeah, right. They got, they got a talking fucking raccoon to be more popular than Batman. That's insane. A tree that was voiced by Vin Diesel. How great of a paycheck is that on Vin Diesel's part? Doctor Green. Doctor Green's got to talk there. His mic sucks. Like you know, because I mean, as an avid Marvel comic reader, right? Look, when they said they were going to do Guardians of the Galaxy, I thought, oh, they're they're screwed, right? There's no way they're going to pull that off. It's too esoteric, too oddball characters. And then they produce this movie, and it's funny, and it's entertaining. And you're like, they turned it into Star Wars. And, and they did the they did the thing which all great directors do because because uh, Ridley Scott does this, which is they pick the music and the soundtrack that people can connect to, 
and they you know the 1980 soundtrack that goes through the whole movie is just is just freaking brilliant right it's the same thing and like i said you know great directors understand that the score is what really ties an audience to a movie so even when the you know guardians of galaxy gets a little slow you know he slaps a cassette into his, into his sony walkman which i had as a kid that tells you how old i am um, <laughs> and he plays and he plays, and you're like yeah i know all of these songs right and it's just brilliant and that's well, yeah. where marvel this is where mcu really separates from dc is that they have connected their universe to people because it's New York City, it's real music, it's real things. Whereas, you know, where the hell is Gotham? I have no idea where Gotham City is. I have no well, idea. Gotham is New York or yeah, Chicago. Well, Chicago. Maybe if you can see it. And where, where the Daily Planet, like, what the hell is that? People don't care, right? But they connect to stuff that they know, right? So when I see them, like, you know, destroying, you know, downtown New York City, I go, oh, yeah, okay, I've yeah. been to that. Well, the, the other smart move they made with Guardians of the Galaxy particularly, and that was truly, barring Iron Man, that was probably their true experimental, like, can we do this one? And taking a, that was probably their next big risk after Iron Man was, like, bring it. But to their credit, you know, they could have done uh, like the first Thor movie did and spent the first 20 minutes doing exposition and trying to explain who these people are. Or they can have Chris Pratt dancing around to 80s music, goofing around, kicking alien rats and finding an orb, thinking he's a big deal, nobody knowing who the hell he is, and yeah. that sets the stage yeah. for the whole movie. And then we'll figure it out from there. Like, it doesn't matter. Was, now. We're having fun. Yeah. We're having fun now, so we're in. We're in. It was the biggest risk for the biggest payoff. Yeah, well, the, the risk they're taking it now is, like, the next major story arc is the Elementals, right? So that's the next set of movies. Yeah. And I mean, they are not as popular a superhero group as the Avengers were. So um, it's going to be interesting to see whether people connect to these. And of course, the story arc is much wider, right? It's like ten thousand year story the, arc. For well, the um, the ones they did on Netflix with Jessica Jones and everything that they all shut those down because they kind of crap. I can't remember what they're called, but like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke yeah. Cage, and Iron Fist. Iron Fist yeah. kind of killed it yeah. because it's yeah. such a ridiculous hero. And they Three did their like up season together. The defenders. No, no, no. He's an anti-hero. Let's get yeah, the defenders. Right. I think is what they were called as. And it just didn't work. It didn't work out. So Three of those four you know, heroes actually. I love Jessica Jones because she was like a woman empowerment. She was bold. She was like shameless as uh, lead actress until she left at season nine. Uh, and it went to 12, but you know, like, there's, what are you there's talking like, about? <laughs> that was one full person. Forget names, okay? There's, I, I was like, all on the facts. Yeah, we're gonna take it to MVP, right? That was the next thing. That's why I talked about the cassette, right? So, who had a Sony Walkman? Raise your hand. Oh, nobody can see us. Okay, there you go. <laughs> oh, look at that. We all did it. Yeah. I, yeah. And then I had a Discman, which, in my opinion, oh, was a, a far Discman. inferior product because yes. it skipped like a motherfucker. Yes. And nobody had a pocket big enough to fit that in. You had to, like, wait, carry wait, it around. Wait, 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 wait. Until we invent the word buffering. The problem with Jessica Jones is that they had they missed a huge opportunity with the fact that they had a procedural police drama that they could have pulled from with her with be, her being like her character being a private investigator and they could have done a little bit of that doing it like an episode by episode but they turned it into this massive story arc and people just the, the first, first season, season was fine was it was great but the second it, season i i don't i don't even 
think I, I, I ever happened. actually watched it. The, the first season was with David Tennant playing the villain, which yes. was and yes, he's he was really. Firstly, I'll watch David Tennant in basically anything, but yeah, he was great in Good Omens as well. Yeah, uh, he was fantastic. But that that villain and and Jessica Jones's character, you know, she's she's a super strong woman, but the one thing she can't defeat is like. It, it was also just like it kind of launched right at the right time of the climate of, um, you know, um, it, a lot of the injustices and, and the Me Too thing and all that stuff. That's very yeah. important. The purple man was a terrifying character. He can convince you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that's fair. That's really fair. That's actually not a bad point. Yeah. Um, but like. The other, the other of of those four characters, like Daredevil, had the most complete story arc. I'd say, yes. like yeah, season one through three, fantastic. Like third season is brilliant. Like they just go right heart into the character, and they're even talking about bringing him back for the next Spider-Man movie. Oh, really? Because at the end of the latest, at the end of the latest Spider-Man film, Spider-Man gets kind of I don't, spoiler alert. He kind of gets exposed, right, yeah. by Mysterio. Yeah. His his like uh, I don't know if you've seen the latest Spider-Man film, uh, Far From Home. There, Cognac. You're kind of yeah. It's like me... two years ago. I thought you meant like there was one that just came out. Okay. No, no, no. no. There's one, the one that with came Jay out. Like... Hall, right? Jay yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, like Spider-Man gets exposed by Mysterio. He gets ratted out. Like Spider-Man <laughs> is Peter Parker, and Peter Parker is this kid from New York, and all this kind of shit. Now there's talk about bringing Daredevil in the next Spider-Man film, which makes perfect right. sense yeah. because if he gets into a legal battle, you need Matt Murdock to fucking take care of Spider-Man. Okay. It's perfect. I love. I would love to see them bring that actor specifically can't remember his name uh to reprise his role as uh as uh matt murdoch he was fucking phenomenal he was okay so for because sony sony has given up the licenses right for that's right fantastic four and so this is all coming back into disney now so they're going to bring in two new groups in addition to bringing back some of the regulars like you know like like daredevil and that so it's gonna be just yeah it's I also think they finally on Spider-Man. I think they finally cast him properly. Yes. Like um, uh, nothing to take away from Tobey Maguire or Andrew Sorry. Garfield, but Tom Holland is young, small, scrawny, but you know he's classically a, a theater actor and a gymnast, so he's he's in in great shape. He can do a lot of the stuff, but yeah. you know he finally seems young enough. You know he's not in his mid twenties. Peter Parker is supposed to be a high school kid. Yeah, the only was, thing I don't like about him is that he plays a little too dumb. Like he's supposed to be a little, he's supposed to be a little bit smarter. Like they show him doing smart things and acting smart, but he does, he tends to do stupid shit. Like, but I, 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 I ultimately I sympathize with that stuff just because he's a kid. He's a kid and kids do stupid shit. And when I was a kid, I did stupid shit like (laughs) and he's torn between doing what he thinks he should be doing as Spider-Man and like getting the girl. Right. Like that's which which 16 year old isn't thinking about getting that. That is that is perfect superhero melodrama. Anyway, are are we beating this horse dead? Because whiskey is typing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised he can with the with the protein shaker in one hand and the. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god protein uh, <laughs> for the listeners you just have to realize that whiskey is jacked he's jacked <laughs> <laughs> he's like, i'm here for you i'm here for you oh my yeah, god 
So he's now guys. not. He's now speaking to us. We can see him, but he's not aware he's still okay. on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, psychology is good because your wife goes on it, and then you keep the cups for your rum and good things. So, I, I really it's a fantastic conversation. What I'm really fascinated about is things. His denim not- jeans. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> no, no, fuck Canada. I, I actually have a apartment there. But anyways, what I'm really fascinated about is Dr. Green, the bars, NASCAR, and Marvel. Maybe maybe not so much no Marvel, but Dr. Green's spandex and his bartending days. Yeah. Okay, I think I think whiskey's gone off the deep end. No, um, <laughs> Dr. Green can start an OnlyFans account if he wants to talk about spandex and bartender. Listen, I'm, yeah. I'm only interested. I read a lot, so I'm only interested in things that are not written down. Yeah. So, so here you go, right? So, if we go back uh, 30 years or so, right? You know, MTV would have been in its 10th year or so. Um, you know, we still played a lot of 80s music in the bars. Um, I worked in an upscale place that uh, tended to invite uh, a more sophisticated crowd, if you will. There was a dress code at the time. Uh, there was always dress codes for most of the bars in uh, the city that I worked in. Um, you couldn't wear ball caps and sneakers to get in or jeans. They would just stop you at the door. Um, when there were special events going on, like uh, Stanley Cup finals and hockey games, because you know I grew up in a city where people won the Stanley Cup regularly, not that other city where people don't win the Stanley Cup in color ever. Um, so, <laughs> you know, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, having the Stanley Cup in color many times, uh, come to, so yeah. So as that worked out for the last 30 years, <laughs> I know it's been terrible. I was, I was there when, uh, Patrick Watt quit. I was actually at that hockey game where he basically came back to the bench and threw a stick at the manager and said, fuck you, <laughs> I'm basically out of here. Oh, God, I, I'll never forget that. And, yeah, but, yeah, it was an interesting time. But, you know, um, I'm going to try to segue into our next speaking point, which is MTV turning 40 this year. And uh, it's interesting because um, in the place where I grew up, there was another company called Much Music, and Much Music came online around the same time. Um, and I remember as a kid watching MTV come online the very first day. Um, I remember many things, they, you know, many firsts. So, you know, I remember they, they played, uh, you know, Video Killed the Radio Star. That was the very first video that MTV played uh, when it first came out. And uh, when Much Music came on, um, some of the early bands they played were things like uh, Corey Hart and The Prince and Duran Duran and uh, The Box and uh, Level 42 those kind of things. But um, I remember when Duran Duran had um, a video that they had played, which was considered very risque for the time, which today in this day and age would be considered um, like a soap opera because it would be that boring. But at the time, um, you know, it was something that was really a game changer. And this goes back to this goes back to Rox's uh, comments at the beginning of this discussion about how, you know, talking about the jean jackets and the Olympics and that, that, you know, things change, right? There's a new generation and there's a new look on things. And I remember as a kid watching much music and MTV and thinking my parents going, what the heck is this? And I thought, this is great. And I'm sure people are looking at that Olympic outfit and they think it's great. And we are all going, ah, it sucks. And I don't yeah. like chip commissionings but you know what i'll bet you there's a lot of people that love twerking at chip commissionings <laughs> i thoroughly was, enjoyed was, it 
Yeah. Was much music more Canadian? Was that a Canadian thing, or was that still part of MTV? It was, wasn't I can't. It, it was um, a bunch of them work for uh, CBC and stuff now. They, yeah. Because yeah. you remember, you remember Speaker's Corners. Yeah. And the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. yeah. No, that yeah. was that was the Canadian version. But I remember like we're talking about old music videos. If you look back, like some of the earliest music videos. You know, you got Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, which barely qualifies as a music video nowadays. It was just like images of their face. Um, and then yeah. um, Queen, staying on Queen, they got in big trouble in the late 80s when they did uh, I Want to I Want to Break Free when they were cross-dressing in the music video. And that was seen as too risque. And Well, because the, the movie, like Duran Duran did Girls on Film, right? That was the song. And they couldn't play it. I remember much music could play it, but MTV could not play it. Because it was considered inappropriate. <laughs> oh, America. well, I remember they couldn't play Bare Naked Ladies in Canada for a while because the band name was Bare Naked Ladies, yeah, even yeah. though they were the most harmless music of all time. Oh, yeah. And I'm like they were amazing. Buying you a green coat. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, right. <laughs> hey, it's a green dress. Get it fucking right. <laughs> Boy, okay. But not a real it's green dress. That's cruel. Over there. I'm sorry. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, rocks can give you the lyrics. <laughs> but there that's is like, no green dress. That's cruel. I'm aware. Yes. But yeah, it was it was remarkable. And I remember when I was like, "What? Well, I'm not going to listen to music, you know, that comes down through Shome FM, you know, on a on a top 100 or something." And I'm actually going to sit in my front of my television and I'm going to watch music videos. And 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 if you ever go back and look at some of the early music videos, like like Konex said, they're terrible. <laughs> like they're they're just they're horrible. just the, half of them are just the bit like Nirvana's first one was just them playing like a shitty high school show. Oh, like yeah. go on, go yeah. on the Flock of Seagulls uh, video, right? Like you know, how far does he actually run? Nobody whoa, whoa, whoa. Was it Dido or is whatever? It, is it, is the, it a the shitty high school with school the with, the, with an undercut? With an undercut? With an undercut? Like, how far does he actually run? Like, tell us. Like, nobody knows, right? Yeah, but, but it goes back to the, the first part we talked about. It's like the only the only decisions we have control over over are the future ones. Okay. And when we take the the current ones and the future ones, we can't change the past ones. Do we lose everybody? Oh, here they come back. Well, wait, wait. Listen, I, I can do it. I can, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I don't drink often, but this is a special occasion. Why is everybody on my video feed space docking? <laughs> It's a it's a sobriety test. Uh, <laughs> it's just stars. And also perfectly stars. described by usual Friday night, but I'm talking to you lads. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I sent that meme to you guys before our listeners. It said, MTV turns 40 this year. Thanks for 14 years of music. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's long before you hit puberty. But anyways, um, like what I want to get to is is that like it is a great time. Like right now, like the quantum is like five years out. We've got like technology coming out super cheap. We have space is a really interesting field of study. Space space is becoming very very near when you talk about. Um, this, the satellite constellation that Elon Musk is trying to put out. We have space tourism, Virgin Galactic. I want to know Dr. Green's view on 
Space Tourism, Virgin Galactic, and no, put your hand down. It's okay. We'll let Um, go next. We'll let go next. But then you can own them. So very quickly. So interestingly enough, so Jeff Bezos has, as people know, has left Amazon, right? He has turned over the reins of Amazon to his minions, and he is firmly turning his attention now to his other company called Blue Origin. Blue Origin is a space launch company now. It started out as a company that just built rocket engines, but they're now actually into the space launch business and suborbital business. And just actually, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday? I watched it. Um, they are doing a launch of, as uh, Whiskey will remember, that very phallic rocket that's called the Blue Origin. And uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Can I say that in the podcast? Uh, they build uh, space penises. Let's just looks, let's call looks, a spade a spade. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is the worst looking, but it is the most stable rocket. Probably it's even more stable than than uh, Elon Musk's uh, Falcon 9 rockets that he's putting up with SpaceX. But but my that, rocket is stable. But the interesting my thing, my rocket is totally stable. Yeah. Okay. Enough. He is, uh, whereas, you know, Elon Musk has really gotten into the space business with Starlink, so global internet access, and is doing a launch. He launches a rocket pretty much every eight days now. He launched more payloads last year than the rest of the commercial space community globally combined. He did he did 29 or 30 launches over the course of the year, which is just unprecedented. But So did Cognac in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. So, but Jeff, more payloads. Hey. Yeah, Jeffy's <laughs> taking another He's going to cut. He's going to cut Richard Branson out of the space tourism business because wow. uh, Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic uh, system is complicated and it has mixed results. But Jeff Bezos's penis, space penis, if you want to call it that, uh, the Blue Origin, the new Shepard rocket that he launches, um, it is super stable, super reliable, has the biggest windows that any spacecraft has ever had ever, and really? does suborbital hop. That gets you past the Carmen line. It is from launch to touchdown in 11 minutes. And what it is, basically, so you qualify as an astronaut when you go past the Carmen line. And so if you buy your ticket and you get your ride, if you actually go on YouTube and type in Mannequin Skywalker, because they've flown a mannequin uh, in the uh, in the rocket, and that's his nickname. They call him Mannequin Skywalker. Um, you can watch the entire 11-minute flight from launch to, to touchdown in Texas. And uh, it's fantastic, and it's brilliant, and it's safe. And actually, Jeff Bezos's rocket booster lands better than than Elon Musk's does. Elon Musk still has a little bit of dodginess because he likes to, he's a little bit more flashy, a little more high risk. Whereas Jeff Bezos is very staple. It's almost like going to um, what's that restaurant in the states that doesn't serve alcohol? <laughs> uh, any anything in some counties. Yeah. But I, I do just want to interject for a second because yeah, I am sure, fascinated. Sure. But um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he's got a penis-shaped rocket. It's millions of years of human uh, existence. We know penises work. Uh, they're they're pretty good at, at getting the job done. But um, one thing that I was a bit disappointed with, and 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 it is it is interesting, okay? Because you, you talked about um, you know uh, Musk's rockets not being necessarily as good as as Bezos's, and it's something it's something you see. Not necessarily. It's something you see um, being uh, replicated in the uh, in the electric vehicle market right now, yeah. where you know Musk did it first, and now people are doing it faster, better range, cheaper. Um, I guess you know there's always the the cost of being the innovator. But the the one thing I was gonna mention before you before you started was I was I was very very frustrated having listened to the first time you were on this podcast. I was very very frustrated 
that Elon had the gall to take a bunch of astronauts up to the ISS before making SpaceX publicly traded. Because that stock oh, yeah. would have exploded faster than Tesla's did yeah, as soon yeah. as they proved that they could do government contracts to do what needs yeah. be what needs doing, you know. I'm standing I'm standing in line to buy SpaceX shares whenever that thing does an IPO. Because that thing is worth that's a good I one. will sell literally all my other stocks yeah. and that'll be the IBM of the day it launches. The yeah, problem so is it's gonna launch at three thousand dollars a share. Oh yeah. When that thing goes IPO, I'm gonna be right there because SpaceX is a moneymaker. Actually, Tesla is his tax write off, right? I think actually you know, Tesla's Tesla's a, a Tesla's um, Tesla's a, basically his umbrella company to allow him to work on AI and uh, yeah. and, uh, and uh, Neuralink Neuralink. So the interesting thing is this, right? So you've got to give him credit because so he comes into a market and he says, "I'm going to take on the three most established industries in the United States: autom- you know, automotion, uh, aviation, and aeronautics, and energy, and I'm going to turn them upside down on their heads, and I'm going to beat them." Right. So and he, he fucking did it. He fucking did it, Doctor Green. It, a seven a seven year old car a seven year old auto manufacturing company is selling. You know, my shares are worth about eight hundred something U.S. after the split. Yeah. You know, I, meanwhile, what's Ford worth right now? Yeah, exactly. And and even seventy you know, bucks. And <laughs> Even though Tesla was not perfect, but I mean, the real kicker was SpaceX, right? Like he came right up the middle, took Boeing and Lockheed Martin and basically said, hey, listen, I know you guys are the giants and I'm going to turn you both over and I'm going to come right up the middle. Get out of the way. Me and my team of 10 dudes are going to figure out how to land this rocket. And once we can do that, you can stuff it. Yeah. I mean, he started SpaceX with 80 employees, 80 and, and a mariachi band in Atlanta. Um, yeah, well, you know, he, he but, is who he is. Yeah, it's just it's remarkable. And it, and I don't think I don't think people have actually really uh, glommed on yet to see. Like, he's, think- well, he's the visionary, right? Like he's he, he's got a background in tech and in engineering and, and he's a, an incredibly smart dude, somewhat on the spectrum by his own admission. Uh, but. I, I, I've watched interviews with people that work at Tesla where they, they, you know, they were excited to say, OK, we can make the cars do the speeds you want and have a 100 mile range. And he'll say, great. In a month, I want him to do 300 miles. Yeah. And nothing's ever good enough. He's a visionary. Right. It, it, it took one person with enough financial backing and the motivation to say, well, why the fuck can't we land a rocket? Why can't why can't we reuse one? We land things all the time. Yeah, I watched a really good interview with him where he went and he said, look, you know, um, I, I was trying to figure out a way to help NASA make things cheaper, right? Because that's usually expensive as a throwaway. So, he, you know, and the thing is that he accepts failure, right? Like he's got a he's got another program called Starship that he's launching down in Boca. Didn't right? they blow one up uh, about a couple months ago testing for st- the, the, the one that's like uh, the one that will go to Mars to test its stress capabilities? They blew one up? Yeah, so it's he's blown up a couple of them, but you know it goes up and it does a belly flop, flat landing, and then when it hits the uh, 200 foot mark, it kind of does right up itself and it lands perfectly. And he's had one good landing and he's had two blow ups. But the thing is that so what? I mean, Werner von Pound, you know, basically said, you know, I aim for the stars, but sometimes I hit London. Uh, you know, he blew up lots of rockets on his way to the moon, right? And I mean, it's well, just that the thing about Elon Musk is that he accepts failure. Right. Yeah. Part of the process of getting there is you're going to blow up a lot of rockets, but eventually you're going to achieve success. And that's what he did with Falcon. And now, like, he just did 100 launches with the Falcon 9 rocket. He's had a rocket that's gone up 11 times. It's a record. No one has ever launched a booster 11 times and recovered it and reused it. He has brought the cost per kilogram 
of launching material into space from twelve thousand dollars a kilogram down to about two thousand dollars. Like it's just whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. talk about that in relation to discovery. Oh, oh, hi! Welcome back. <laughs> well, I was here going to talk. I, you, you mentioned the fact that he accepts failure. Yeah. Even with that Tesla Cybertruck, that whole oh, that whoa, whole thing. Oh, oh, when he broke the window oh, and he's like, oh, yeah, we'll fix it before we sell so, it to you." <laughs> you can't go. You can't go from minus one hundred to like thirty. Okay, let's go from discovery to accepting failure. Okay, yeah. continue. I mean, part of part of discovery is accepting failure, right? Because that's it's an incremental process, right? And so discovery is iterative, and if you're going to discover, you've got to do it in steps. And so, a lot of companies, because their profit margins are pretty slim, they have got a zero defect culture, right? And Elon Musk has said he's not going to tolerate a zero defect culture. He's going to accept risk and he's going to accept failure. And as a result, they're going to learn things. And every time they learn, every failure, they learn something from it. And as a result, they progress. I mean, here's like, like I said, before you, as you were on your BRB there, like, you know, here's a guy that took a company from, he had 80 employees in a mariachi band when he started it. And within 10 years, he's got 8,000 employees and he's got his own little spot on the Cape. Jeff Bezos is chasing him to get a spot on the Cape and to get into the game, right? This is, this is the 1930s. Yeah barnstormers all over well, again that's, well that's it the, the greatest elon elon musk accepts that the greatest innovations you know when we made these great leaps and bounds and in innovations especially in aviation in the in the early 1900s they were colossal they were nothing but failures it was a series of failures it's the guggenheim that you learned a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more would the kitty hawk fly for 13 seconds at 50 meters or something stupid you know like but it is. It's it's the it's the Lindberghs, it's the Charles Lindberghs, and the Guggenheims, and the Robert Goddards, and the you know, and it's it's it, it, to the point of the Hindenburgs, right? Oh, learned a valuable lesson on that one. Yeah. No, that's where you shouldn't be shaving costs. Wait, 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 wait. My turn. My turn. The, the Shakeology Cup. Anyways, what 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 I think when it comes down to is the the communication of risk. Yes, this has power because mine's bigger than yours. Um really comes down to communication and risk. Well, yeah, but yours is not a cup. Um, you're talking about your steroid cup, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh my, I don't know. My middle age. That is, his wife is a very happy woman. <laughs> Mine's pretty full. I don't know. <laughs> he said his is bigger than ours, so, you know. My cabinet okay. is bigger than yours. Um, whiskey is happy. You talking about my dick? It's a good dick. It works. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to let that one go. Um, anyways, so, so really what it comes down to is communication risk and really understanding what is happening. Because I think with the hype with Tesla, the hype with Starlink, the hype with Virgin Galactic, yeah, I don't think it's really articulated very well in the average person's mind. Because right now, we have cool shit more cool shit, but we really don't highlight the cost of failure. We don't uh, contrast the loss of life. We don't really understand in how to bracket risk and communicate that to the consumer that really in a meaningful way that allows them to make a better decision. What they understand is hype. And, and really, if you look at the way the market is running, people are taking their like uh, government federal assessment checks and putting them into the stock market 
and we see hype cycles that is associated with Robinhood, uh, associated with GameStop. We would just put them in the money into like different investments and really, really um, making the market more volatile. So, Doctor Green, where where are you going with this? No, no, it's okay. Let me finish. Let me finish. No, go which, ahead. Which which we need to understand is Doctor Green. Where in the next five years are you putting your money, and where do you see Virgin Galactic going? Where do you see um, uh, Elon Musk, Starlink, and the space uh, space as a business going, and space tourism as a uh, a viable construct? Since it appears that Mr. Bronson is getting out of the market. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna somehow tie this into the pandemic in Costco. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. you gotta add in jean jackets. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. So, very simply, yeah, I would agree with you. I think I think uh, Richard Branson realizes that he's out of the game. He's gonna put his money back into the Hyperloop because he had good money in the Hyperloop uh, concept about doing the high speed rail. And I think he sees that because his Virgin Galactic system is just too far behind. Jeff Bezos has crushed him. Uh, in that market, um, you know, in the next five years, uh, Starlink is already being uh, put out to customers. It works. It's reliable. If you're a beta tester on the Starlink system, you will see the benefit of having it. So that yeah, but it's fucking expensive. Not, not really. No, actually, so it's a it's the same. It's a, it's like a lot of things. It's got a 4.99 package startup that you pay for, and then you pay for the service. But once you do the startup packages, it actually costs not much more than if you buy a, a Bell cable. Like, if you're buying cable or TSN, you can afford a Starlink setup, and it's going to get cheaper. Interesting. Yeah, it's going to get cheaper as time goes on. So Elon Musk has clearly understood how to get into the game in the sense that he has made cheap uh, access to space in terms of payload, in terms of launch. He's got And, and the thing about space launch, you got to understand, is that it's all about reliability. People put their satellites on rockets that don't fail. And so when you can demonstrate reliability, you can get customers. That's that's basically how it works. It goes from there. The problem with a lot of the other customers out there, the Russians, the French, and all those others that have been doing it, um, they've had problems with their rockets. And as a result, they don't get the customers. Uh, New Zealand. New Zealand has a launch capability for small satellites, something that you don't see very much of. So the thing is that that access to space is now, and there are some of the big players are going to be in it, like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, I think will do well. And other guys like Richard Branson, I think are going to be out. I think he's going to he's going to head off to Hyperloop and some other things and maybe try yeah. to rein, rein, reinvent aviation. But but he's Konyak, you got something. Yeah, yeah if, if you'll permit me, I just wanted to touch on uh, to Whiskey's point about risk um, and, and the, the discovery launch and everything. Um, and it kind of goes back into Dr. Green's thing about uh, Elon Musk accepting failure. Innovation has been born out of risk for a long time. Uh, when Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier, it was about a 50-50 split on people who thought his body would just explode, yeah. right? Uh, that the human body could not withstand those forces. When trains were invented, yeah. it was thought that doing 30 miles an hour would kill you. Your body couldn't handle that kind of speed in the, in the late 1800s. Um, innovation is born out of risk. In the modern climate, we no longer, in the West, no longer have the appetite for the risk of human lives. What that means is a lot of that risk is taken on by, you know, simulators and uh, and, and, and computer modeling and, and doing the math and, and all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, 
you know, every every innovation that we take for granted was born out of, you know, the 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 blood, sweat, and tears, as they say, of of people taking risk to to innovate. Um, nowadays, it's a bit different. Um, you know, uh, they they can computer model they can computer model through things. Uh, safety is is a, a vast consideration. Um, and Starlink, for example, is a, is a fiscal risk, but it's also Starlink is also a potential risk to geopolitical stability. And what I mean by that is um, we've been talking forever about how you know China with its with its vast uh, China and Russia with their vast networks of hackers and and is that is that truly war and shut down banks or whatever? But Starlink Starlink offers if if somehow you know. Someone in North Korea gets access to a smartphone and connected to Starlink. Um, that offers unbridled access to a civilian version of the internet that's going to be very difficult for governments to control. It it could represent uh, a, a vector for geopolitical instability, which um, for once in our history in the West we'd be able to say, "Oh no, that's that's uh, private people doing private things. Our government has no idea what." What, no, we're not. It's not the U.S. government encouraging a coup in North Korea. It's Elon's fucking cell phone thing. Like he's just doing his own thing. I don't know how you got your hands on that. You know, we for yeah. once we have the plausible deniability. It's interesting. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. I, I'm gonna try and tie everything that we've been discussing all together. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna do it. Okay. I'm gonna do. Okay, this is gonna be normally does. Because you've never Come been on. good at this, and this I've one's never been good at this. And this one's very complicated. This I, is a I, bold I, move I, right here. Are you gonna put? Are you gonna put on a jean jacket? And you know what? No, I'm not gonna put on a jean jacket. I'm wearing jeans, but that's neither here nor I can there. I work for you if you need their uh, whiskey. So you're saying this is a bold move. So that even ties into what I'm about to say. What we have been talking about for the last hour and forty-two shit. minutes. You have is the, the plight that you own tied to the wall in one room. You you yeah. need to stop talking right now. Okay. okay well. <laughs> 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 Don't derail him. He does it your, enough on his own. Let him go. Let him go. Drink your protein shake. <laughs> okay. So what we've been talking about for the last hour and 42 minutes is, or 43 minutes now, is the plight of the human spirit. That's where I think we're going with this. Whoa. <laughs> it's it's individual people willing to go the distance to just fucking accomplish something which no one has ever done. Is or something. somebody or some people who have rarely done ever. We talk about Formula One. These guys who are traveling 300 kilometers a fucking hour, going like insane, insane speeds. With the horizontal. amount of physics. Can you shut up for a second? With the amount of physics and the amount of science that has gone into these machines that are going around these tracks. And like with all of the different all the obstacles and restrictions and limitations that are put upon them. These people who are gone into space with governments breathing down their necks who have ultimately been controlling the domain oh, of space. No. Now you have now you have guys like Elon Musk and you have Jeff Bezos and you got 
the other dude who is going to be leaving soon. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't pay attention very well. He called him. He called him Bronson. OK, so I'm I'm not far off from that. Is, that <laughs> that he is was like one... so DC comic. <laughs> but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about fucking Spider-Man. We're talking about people who are just. Thanks. Thanks, Kodak. Got you covered, buddy. Okay. Fuck. No, I'm done. No. Okay. So I'm gonna pick up where you dropped off. I'm gonna pick up where you dropped off. I got this. I got this. I got this. So you got it. The the human, the human condition is a constant struggle to innovate and succeed, Uh, and we see this through very, uh, very uh, different mediums. Whether it be Formula One drivers whipping around a circle at fucking 300 kilometers an hour, whether it be Elon Musk taking on a government-controlled and the automotive industry, like the largest industry in the United States, and saying I can do one better. Jeff Bezos looking at Elon and being like, all right, dickhead. Well, I got half. I got fucking 500 billion dollars too so i'm gonna take a shot at it and i'm gonna do i'm gonna take your game and do it better uh whether it be branson realizing he's fucked it and he's gonna go into something different Um, i don't care if i fail but it's all it's all innovation and 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 innovation requires sacrifice and that's the human condition we learn through failure everybody knows that you learn nobody learns anything if you nail something the first time you're just kind of good at it and you get girls in college but if you actually had to work (laughs) at you know playing the piano or whatever it is you choose to do you actually learn the mechanics behind it you learn a lot more and and i think at the end of the day the human condition is one of curiosity there's a reason that little robot that tragically kind of died a couple years ago was called curiosity um and now it's like a drone thing that's flying around mars which is even cooler because that's awesome you know like we we just get better but it takes sacrifice so whether it be spirit. treasure or blood it takes sacrifice and and what's inspiring about the human race is that we're constantly willing to look at something and be like hang on there's no reason we couldn't land a rocket and reuse it we land planes all the time it just takes the person willing to do it and put the work into it and, and every challenge we face is surmountable with the right resources and vision dr green you got something yeah i was gonna say like you know it's it's a, to pile on a little bit right it's about the acceptance of risk right so you know does john favreau go to the producers and say hey listen i've got this shaky actor but i'm confident i've got this idea i think we can sell multiple movies on a long story arc and people will come back right there's an acceptance of risk uh you know like i said we talked about mtv mtv says i'm gonna make a tv show about music videos something you would normally listen to on the radio but i'm gonna put on television and people will watch it and it'll be great and we go no that's not gonna work and this well let's take a little risk right let's just see what happens yeah but then risk goes too far with 16 and pregnant so well, you know yeah but it also goes to like <laughs> commissioning well you know there's a lot of people that were upset originally but then you realize well, that's well, what happens when you have the 80s and cocaine <laughs> well, so I was trying to figure out how to tie this into the pandemic in Costco, but uh, or the master bedroom, or the demise of the master bedroom, as you had uh, put in your. Oh well, we don't have to talk about whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's, that's, that's a whole other show. podcast. I love my master bedroom. Y'all can fuck off. It's the end of the show. We can talk about masturbatorium. Whoa, whoa! Settle down. <laughs> master bedroom. I believe is what you're trying to say. Those we'll, protein we'll shakes. We'll, we'll talk listeners. about those things. He's jacked, but those protein shakes go right to the brain. 
So, anyways, where I wanted to go in the background is um, the phallic, the cultural thing about space. Um, Doctor Green is, is is invited back next week. Yeah. Um, because totally not. with the not. pandemic, the lockdown, we really need outlets, and you're welcome to our show. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we should. We'll do even invite you into our chat. I'm not. I'm not done yet. The twerking. Um, catharsis <laughs> for me. I I, I got to do this more often. Um, no, I. You know, it, again, it's it creates good conversation when you think about it, right? And you go, okay, you pick a theme, and you, it's amazing the number of different topics that you can tie together, together, like about risk or innovation or adaptation or acceptance of failure. This goes back to what Whiskey was saying, right? This is about the human condition. And yeah. you know, we're all living through this COVID environment right now, and people are losing their mind. <laughs> you know, kids in school and trying to do this and trying to do that. And you realize, well, this is the human condition, right? And we've been here before. So, yes. you know, these conversations, hopefully somebody's listening besides ourselves. And, uh, you know, they will sit there and they'll go, yeah, you know what? People are people, and we've all been through this. And there are a lot of things that go on in this world. And we all kind of experience it in a different way, but also in a similar way. Well, that's the thing that, like, you bring up a really great point, Dr. Green. Like, the whole, like, you're trying to tie it into the pandemic, um, the whole theme of this. It's like, we've gotten this far, man. Yeah. Like, we've gotten this far. And we're still here. We're like, people, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the fucking world. You just, it's just a different, there's been far different circumstances. Far worse pandemics. And, and, and we're still here. I mean, we have we have access to modern medicine, so you know, antibiotics and stuff. Those secondary infections ain't gonna get us. So we also have access to uh, what is it? Protein shake canisters. <laughs> oh yes, massive protein shake canisters. But I think rocks, rocks. I think we need to innovate, and I think we need to make history. I think for the first time in the history of the three twenty club three twenty club podcast, you need to do the wrap up. Tie it all together in a logical fashion. Take over uh, 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 whiskey's uh, roid-induced uh, current state uh, <laughs> and be the rational one. Finish us off. And, uh, oh man, that's a that's a. I think it'll be new. It'll be, it'll be unique. It'll, it's a risk. It's, a, it's risk. a risk. It'll be a high pedestal to climb. I'm not a great orator. Um, no. It's it comes down to this is you know, I think everything that we've talked about in the last hour and whoever knows how long we're talking about the plight of the human spirit. We're talking about individual people willing to go to the distance to just accomplish something which no one or something which has rarely ever been done by other people. And the fact that we're all going through this shit right now with COVID-19, the fact that we're going through another fucking lockdown in Ontario. I mean, Cognac, you're kind of in a whole other boat in La Belle Provence. We've been been fucking at it for a bit. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, between, you know, Disney executive producers and Formula One drivers and uh, Evergreen (laughs) 
<laughs> ship container drivers. <laughs> people are just dealing with their own shit, man. Um, it's it's the same with same people who are trying to twerk in front of a fucking Australian naval ship, <laughs> commissioning for a new ship. It's the same shit, and it's the same shit for that poor liberal MP who was caught naked on camera, uh, and it just so happened just to be a wrong place, wrong time. People just going through their own shit. And it's a huge risk on everyone's part just to just get through the next bit of their day. And honestly, what it really comes down to, get up in the morning. What is today's dick going to look like? Let's just fucking suck it and get it over with and move on. If it's mine, it's spotty and veiny. (laughs) (laughs) Disappointingly small to all involved. Uh, beautiful. Uh, I right, love so, it. So, so let's let's do the the real closing, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> he won't accept the risk. That was like most most uh, SpaceX launches. It was uh, crash and burn. What I, what, what, what I liked, well, it was it was gloriously messy, but you know it doesn't achieve the aim. Um, what I would like to get to is is that it's like what my boss tells me all the time. You do not meet my aim. <laughs> Every girl I've ever been with. There's parallels <laughs> with the red ink, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, what what I want to get to is 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 that like culture is an evolution. The human condition is also an evolution. And as we grow as a human race, as we grow like the middle white middle-aged white people that we are, I think we need to really ascertain where we are and where we want to go. So as we watch history and the evolution of the Suez Canal, the Australian uh, carrier uh, christening, the evolution of our uh, Olympic sports teams, as we watch Formula One, is that we ourselves are evolving what we have perceived as normal and acceptable and uh, as as that piece grows as our understanding grows we ourselves in turn understand and grow and change with it and you can understand you look at like the, uh, the quizzical face as it, I see on my screen right now I like my closing better let's be fuck honest off. fuck off <laughs> he's right though right like we talked earlier about how ridiculous it was that certain music videos couldn't be played and yet somehow twerking in front of a ship fully clothed in the same attire anyone wherever the beach is unacceptable right now and in 20 years we'll look back on that and be like why were we being ridiculous well it was unacceptable for the one situation so uh, to avoid going in a segue there's something called observer bias so as the fact that we watch ourselves grow in the situation, we ourselves are growing and changing the situation. What I ask of everyone involved in our very small podcast is to keep in mind, and the only decision you have to make is a future, a future decision you have to make. You don't have the ability to change past decisions. And those past decisions are made on very... Uh, are, are based on past data. So let's support um, our brethren going through this in uh, COVID-19, 
world, the uns- uh, the uncertain world, and just support the government. Because the you know what, if the plan is seventy five percent, the plan is eighty percent. At least we're following a plan. Let's not try to make our own plans in the eighty five percent plan because that just leads to disaster. Let's follow the leader. Let's go through and do what's necessary to uh, to get through this pandemic. Um, I love you all. That's all I got. Whiskey, whiskey, to be fair, my quizzical look was based mostly on the fact that that was a quite rational series of sentences to put together, and I thought you were loused in the south. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> Dr. Green, your assessment. Yeah, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I would I would concur with uh, Rocks a little bit, right? Like, look, you know, things are hard. And, you know, we are all ultimately presentists in the sense that we always feel that nothing has ever been as complex or as difficult or as challenging or as hard as we currently experience it because we don't really have any other reference than our own lives. And, you know, if you're historically minded, you realize that you can juxtapose your own experiences with, uh, with previous ones. Um, but, you know, what will the future hold, right? And so, you know, it goes back to what Whiskey said, right? Which is you just try to get up every day and you know, deal with it comes and get through it. And, uh, you know, and you bring it all together. And you kind of go, yeah, you know, this is all part of the human condition. I actually, you know, I, I try to take the positive out of every day in the sense that I get to, to use a, a paraphrase of Chinese proverb, I get to live in interesting times. Um, I never thought I would live through a Pearl Harbor type moment. Um, you know, with 9-11, I never thought that I would live through a black plague, a Spanish flu, like I'm living out through COVID. And I realized that this is actually part of my life. And it is part of what makes my life interesting. And for the better, for worse, it's just, you know, it is what the experience that I have. And I just make the most of it. So, yeah, stay positive, people. Go ahead, Cognac. I, uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> I take solace from the fact. Okay, so so we all live through our for through our own experiences, as Dr. Green so eloquently put, and much better than I can because I'm prone to use words like fucking and because uh, I, I lose my train of thought. Uh, however, um, what I'm getting at, to be fair, is that it, you're very right. You know, we we never thought we'd live through a through another Spanish flu. And the poor Spanish being the only ones not in the war that actually reported on it and therefore get blamed for it. But it probably came out of Turkey. Um, But what I what I mean is that I take solace from the fact that though I will not reproduce uh, those of you with young children, um, they're living through a period of history, the period of time that will be taught in history class for generations to come. We all learned about the 1920 uh spanish flu you know even my grandparents were barely alive at that time but we still learn about it we it's still a commonly known thing and and you know it's unfortunate for those of us our age uh particularly rocks and i uh you know we 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 had september 11th happen while we were in high school um and uh, and and now we have uh, now we have the covid-19 a global pandemic which we as the west in our hubris thought would never happen um in modern times but uh yeah it did and uh and uh, here we are so it takes all in the fact that we're living through uh history and your actions will be talked about for generations to come that is all I have. I think we've wrapped up just enough. 
We've lost somebody. Yeah, he probably just did. Sit up and get drunk. <laughs> yeah. All right. I've lost. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Where? Where's? Oh, there he is. He's back. Yeah. I only see. I only. See, okay, so we're we're recording is over now, right? Yeah. Uh, is it over? No. No. That's okay. You can do like a little wrap up you thing. Looks like it's over. Yeah. It says you're oh. still recording though. Yeah, it says still recording. <clears throat> and I only see you now, which is super unfortunate for me. Yeah, it's super unfortunate for me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's even less fortunate. The basement dweller is back. No, um, so I went into uh, someone's photo and now it was showing on the screen. I'm trying to use it like my old people eyes. And then they wouldn't resolve, so I closed the screen, which closed Skype. It didn't work. It didn't work. Sorry. Oh, well. I tried to send a photo. You lost Dr. Green. No, he's still on the call. Still there. Oh. Still okay, we're over there. now. We're over, right? We're it's over. Right. Okay, let's wrap this bitch up. <laughs> I think we kind of did that. I think, I think, uh, we, I think we all... No, no, no. I mean, you I can mean, pick, you can do pick your sign-out shit. Oh. I I'm thought it was like you. halfway there, and then we wanted like a second. This has been cognac. If you refuse to wear a mask, get fucked. <laughs> you know, um, you're, you you probably uh, also were riddled with the clap in school because the only way to protect yourself from STDs is a mild inconvenience. <laughs> get over yourself. Put you're it on. Single, Keep everyone safe. <laughs> Carry on with your life. Get your goddamn oh, vaccine. You don't understand science better than Cambridge does. Oh You'll be fine. Learn to spell gonorrhea. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to mute. That's my sign off. Mute cognac. Where's the mute? Okay. Fine. I'm rocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, let, let, let me do this because you guys have no talent. Um, <laughs> we have no talent. Beautiful. Let, let me get this straight with my Shakeology cup that I never drank. Shakeology shit. Sponsored for. by Shakeology? You don't have to say the name. No, I just thought with fucking rum. Anyways. Yes. So, I'm sponsored by my homemade rum. You can do it. Anyways, um, so let's summarize. You um, just did. We summarized no, we like forty times. We already did this. No more summarizing. <laughs> Listen, it's only a touch of It's been a shit show. Yeah, this is Cognac signing off. Uh, cheers, y'all. Sorry, I took over the podcast, Doctor Green. You're way smarter than all of us, and I would love to hear you talk about space forever and always. Wear your fucking mask, and if you don't, you're a cunt. That's and I'm rocks. Bye. Good lord, that was long. Save us now. But we haven't been on the air in a while, so we all had to get some of that squirrely crap out of our systems. Anyway, in an effort to ensure we aren't taking ourselves too seriously, I felt like Mozart's Requiem in D minor, a tune that generally gets overplayed but I felt was appropriate here. I thought it was uh, appropriate to our madness that we just subjected to you two. Anyway, if you like what you heard, throw us a like. If there's something we missed, throw us a comment so that we can improve and churn out quality content for you. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of Whiskey and Rocks, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We are at Whiskey and Rocks 1. The link is in the description. Special shout out to our brand new listener, Olya. Thanks again for listening all, and stay tuned for more 320 Club. Thank you.